Vegas on the board and now trailing to one. Alex Tuck snaps the seven-game drought. One pass from Nicholas Watt. Verity and Decision working together. Now Decision talking by Cashew, but Verity was there to knock free again. Decision has it near half wall. Working around the top of the turnaround. Shot deflection score. It looks like Peyton Krebs got a piece on the turnaround shot from Decision. It snaked through Johansson, and it's 6-2 Vegas. You think I like the shootout? Here's Eichel at the left side. He shoots. Glove save. Lever. First time he's flashed his mitt, and it's against a man with 77 points, Jack Eichel. Boom. Seven. That's the one. The Golden Knights have acquired Jack Eichel. They made a trade this morning. It was uh, reported around like 4.30 a.m. Pacific time. Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a first-round pick, and a second-round pick to Buffalo for Jack Eichel and a third-round pick. Uh, that first-round pick for the Golden Knights, by the way, is top 10 protected. So if the Golden Knights were to somehow finish in the bottom 10 of the NHL this year, if all these injuries just ne never come back or something, the Golden Knights would still get to pick in the top 10 in the next draft, and that first-round pick would kick back until next season. But the Golden Knights have made the big trade for Jack Eichel. And, Adam, I want to I want to get on something that we just talked to Darren Millard about that he mentioned. The idea that Jack Eichel might not play until the playoffs and that Kelly McCrimmon kind of gave a vague timeline that maybe indicated he doesn't come back in the regular season and – if he didn't come back in the regular season, the Golden Knights wouldn't have very many salary cap issues because once the regular season is over, you can play whoever you want in the postseason that's on your roster. The salary cap is irrelevant. Do you think that would work? New player on a team has never played with these guys before. Hell, has never been in the playoffs with anybody before. Would that work to just say, all right, Jack Eichel, first line center, game one of the first round of the playoffs? I mean, you can go out there and play pickup basketball with anybody at the gym and figure it out, right? You're playing the same game. And then you're talking about, you know, sweaty, washed-up guys in tank tops as opposed to professional hockey players going out there and being on a line together. I think it'll work out fine. I actually don't have a whole lot of concern about that at all for the Golden Knights. The only concern they have to have is this. As much as we talk about that Jack Eichel will have the surgery he wants to have. The fact that it has never been performed on an NHL player before, there has to be a natural level of pause in there for everybody. Now, of course, the Golden Knights will have checked this out medically before they make the trade. That said, you still have to worry because you've never seen it happen before, and you're not talking about a knee or an elbow. You're talking about the guy's spine. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a big deal. It is... It is an interesting, uh, you know, subplot to this, or was the main plot in Buffalo, but now it's a subplot for Vegas, is the neck surgery. I mean, the entire reason that this blew up in Buffalo was this neck injury and the surgery that Jack Eichel wanted to have. Eichel wanted to have a certain uh, surgery that NHL players had not had before, but has happened, other humans have had it, whereas the Sabres wanted him to have a certain surgery that NHL players had had before and that was sort of the big disagreement there and the Sabres weren't letting him have it and Jack Eichel couldn't play with the neck injury so it's it's a fascinating part of this it is so okay Jack Eichel coming back is he going to come back as the Jack Eichel we saw in 2019 
and a couple of years before that as well. That is, a, I, I think, a fair question to ask. I don't think you're going to get a complete bum, but is he going to be that good again is a fair question to ask. But also on the idea that, hey, they'll figure it out, they'll be fine if he plays in the playoffs, that's the answer for the Golden Knights, isn't it? Like that's what Kelly McCrimmon's setting up when he gives a very vague timeline and says, eh, maybe five months, which would be the end of the season. Like that's how you solve the cap problems. That's how you get away with this season without having to shed some more significant pieces, right? Breaking news, by the way, uh, Jack Eichel's own Twitter. He has tweeted, quote, in all caps, Vegas, baby. Vegas, with a picture of him already illustrated into a Golden Knights uniform. Uh, Jack Eichel is ready to go fired up. Uh, yeah, everything for this situation with the Golden Knights points to the playoffs. That's why you can't worry about anything else. You have to trust that once you get Mark Stone back, once you get Max Pacioretty back, uh, you know, once you get Nolan Patrick back in the lineup, like all of these are going to lead to you being sufficiently competent to get into the playoffs against the bad division that you really haven't spent a lot of time playing against yet so you have to think that jack eichel coming back even at 75 or 80 percent of himself for the playoffs is going to make this a much much better team i will say that the one piece of this that i look at and say huh uh it was on twitter this morning i think it was uh your boy jay fresh uh, who you've had on the show before who basically said, I wonder if for the Golden Knights, part of the magic was always they were able to get this done without having to pay a number one center. That you essentially flipped a five fifth round pick for Chandler Stevenson, and he became you know a guy who drove play on the top line for the Golden Knights. And is Jack Eichel going to give them $7 million better of production? Um, it's a reasonable question to ask, I think. You still make the trade no matter what and figure the rest out later because there aren't players like Jack Eichel available. That is so that is an interesting part in that the Golden Knights you could put almost anybody between Stone and Patchetti with the exception of Cody Eakin, and you were gonna have a very good line. Even when uh, Cody Glass played there, their numbers were still very good. They weren't top ten in the league like they have been with Chandler Stevenson, but they were still very good when Cody Glass was there. You could conceivably put anybody in that spot and it would have been fine. And that is sort of and again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, way down the line here. But that, I think, is going to be one of the main questions for Pete DeBoer is how do you display your talent throughout the lineup? Is it important to have the best possible line you can put on the ice? Is that what's going to help this team win in the playoffs? Or do you continue to do what you've done and say, hey, it works with Chandler Stevenson there. We're going to play Jack Eichel with other people because Jack Eichel and Dodonov or whoever whoever those people would be, we think Eichel's good enough to drive play without other stars around him. And that would then conceivably give you three lines that can control play every time you're out there. That, that to me is going to be the question. Again, we are way ahead of ourselves, but that's going to be the question for Pete DeBoer and what's the best way to put this talent throughout the lineup when you're in the playoffs and when you need to win games, especially for a team that's gotten eliminated the last couple of years because suddenly they can't score anymore. And you get into a situation where you can look at Edmonton and see McDavid and Dreisaitl broken up, and you can look at Colorado and seeing them put their three best players on the same line. Uh, neither one of them has gotten where they want to go quite yet. 
you could look at Pittsburgh and see that, you know, you've got Crosby and Malkin on different lines. Like there are different ways to go about this where I think Pete DeBoer is going to have an embarrassment of riches to try to choose from in figuring it out. And that's the luxury of Jack Eichel. You can put him on any line and that becomes the Eichel line. Right. Like it's not anybody else's line at that point. So, yeah, if you want to have uh, as Darren, I think, was trying to get ahead of a nickname, the captain's line uh, to have uh, Max Pacioretty along with uh, Mark Stone and and Jack Eichel, then great. Um, but I do think there's a reasonable question to be asked in terms of creating depth for the Golden Knights. If you do maybe try Jack Eichel with two other wingers and see how the chemistry looks. Uh, Alex Petrangelo is talking to the media right now. Uh, ben Goats tweeted out this uh, quote from him when asked about the trade. Alex Petrangelo said, well, I was asleep. Uh, because, again, it happened at 4.30 a.m. Pacific time. Granted, they are in Canada for some games right now, so they're not on Pacific time. But this is now the second time that the Golden Knights have made a major move while playing in Canada. Last was they fired Gerard Gallant and hired Pete DeBoer. That happened very early in the morning while the team was in Canada before they played Ottawa. And now they have traded for Jack Eichel very early in the morning while the team was about to play Ottawa. So anytime the Golden Knights go to Canada, anytime they got a game in Ottawa, something's happening. Yeah, uh, quite quite clearly. Uh, glad Ed's going to be going to see Gerard Gallant. You can ask him all about it. <laughs> Do you think Ed's got a detour now? Is this a big enough move to detour out of New York to go to Ottawa? Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, once you've got that Marriott reservation in New York, like you're probably not uh, coming off that one, right? I don't think so. I don't think you would, but I don't think I don't think the RJ has anybody there. I mean, Kelly McCrimmon did his press conference through Zoom today, so anybody anywhere was able to get on it and ask questions. But I don't. I I think Jesse Granger of the Athletics, the only one that's on this road trip, so it was very. See, that's the thing, though. Like, the Golden Knights, whether it's intentional or not, they've done a good job at making some big moves when they, eh, nobody's here to actually ask us questions about it. Yeah, I don't know that that was necessarily the design of any of that's this. That's the but, motive. Uh, they I'm held sure. up the Jack Eichel trade until they were in Ottawa. Just that's until, exactly yes, what yeah, you, you, try to, you, you try to make it a short trip for Jack uh, to come up from Buffalo. Uh, hang out with the team for a little while before he gets to surgery. You feel like with the Golden Knights, like they they complete the trade. You know, like Kelly McCrimmon completes the trade at 4.30 in the morning, and at like 4.31, he's on the line with the doctors. Like, how quick can you get him in the operating room? <laughs> well, no, not if they're going to hold him out into the playoffs. Then they're like, all right, how long can we reasonably delay this so that it's not as bad as us to hold him out healthy for a month before the playoffs start? Yeah, you've got the doctors, and then you've got the cap guys like fighting across a table <laughs> like the doctors want to get him back in the lineup and the cap guys are like no hang on we got things to work out here wait a minute if you're if your department is the salary cap for the golden knights front office do you have the best job or the worst job oh you have the best job imagine how boring it is if you're on one of those teams where you're trying to get to the salary floor whereas <laughs> with the golden knights you show up every day and you've literally no idea what you're going to be asked to do Right, like you and the capologists in Tampa Bay are the two who have the jobs that everybody else who crunches numbers wants to have. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky has gotten surgery to where he now has 22-year-old legs. Uh, we think he's going to be worth $20 million. Let's fit him in. I'm sorry, what now? Yeah, Wayne Gretzky. They're going to give him 20-year-old legs, and he's going to be good to go. So okay. now he's going to sign a $20 million contract. The Golden Knights got to find a way to fit it in. Huh. Um, 
Okay, that's interesting. Um, I think what they really need to do is figure out a way to bring Marc Andre Fleury back. Uh, do don't they? you think? Yeah, I think Not it's about very time. Good. Not very good. No, oh, the Blackhawks are terrible. Blackhawks don't oh, give Marc Andre Fleury a chance every any on any given night. The Golden Knights are worse so far this year, though. I'm sorry. Who who, who are they? Because I just read an article from the Ringer uh, on this trade, noted hockey source, the Ringer, that referred to them as the quote Las Vegas Gold Knights. Hey. I would argue that's a better name than what they're actually called. Really? Maybe. Golden Knights? Yeah, I think I kind of like that a little better than Golden Knights. Mm, I don't know. I, I, I still wish they would have taken the K off Golden Knights and just gone with Golden, <laughs> like Golden Evening Golden Knights. All right. Coming up next, we take a trip. No, uh, oh, man, I ruined the entire team. Oh, no, they're kicking, they're kicking Tyler out. out. Candy's Chonies next. What? Candies, chonies. Wait. Candies, chonies. You don't call your bread buns. What do you call them? Candies, chonies. Bread? Candies, chonies. Well, bread is a substance. What do you call the units of bread you use? Breads? All right. It's all up to Adam to take us somewhere we never wanted to go in the first place. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No one ever has been nor will be forced to travel to Candy's Briefs against their will. Um, <laughs> you, sir, signed up for this ride. And whether you're in a Houston Airbnb or in a Las Vegas studio, you're going to enjoy it. All right. Uh, Candy's Briefs, for those who are unfamiliar, I will give Tyler a number. Tyler will have to try to figure out where that number came from. Are you ready for your first number? Very... Uh... Very, I'm expecting to be disappointed. So, yes, let's do it. Mm, I won't make the obvious joke. All right. Uh, the number that you will receive is 16.5. 16.5. All right. I got, I got nothing from just the number. Okay. Uh, it is a number from minor league baseball. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, 16.5. All right. I still got nothing for you. It is from the Colorado Rockies organization. Oh, okay. I still, I'm still going with nothing. Don't know what 16.5 is. Okay. All right. Um, you could probably go a long way and not get this one. Uh, how about this? Uh, this pitcher walked 16.5 hitters per nine innings no. in his first year in the minors. What? There's a guy who walks 16 guys per nine? <laughs> His name is Tyler Matzik. <laughs> I hate this guy. Tyler Matzik, who uh, was renamed uh, by his teammates Tyler, and I will say uh, a product that Planters makes and um, something you carry potatoes in. Do the math. Uh <laughs> Tyler Matzik was paid $3.9 million as the 11th pick of the 2009 draft by the Colorado Rockies. He then proceeded to walk uh, 16.5 hitters per nine in the minors after the Rockies went and changed everything about the way he trained. Uh, he used to train with a six-pound women's shot put. Colorado took it away. He took to wearing weighted wristbands in his hotel room, according to SI, and sneaking to a local park so he could throw his shot put against an oak tree. Uh, this guy was, of course, released, went to train with a Navy SEAL, had to fight his way back through independent ball, 
and uh, then became, I believe, not only the bane of the Astros' existence in the playoffs, but also uh, the Brewers and the Dodgers. Yeah, everyone. He was he was way too good in the postseason. Does so? Wait, he does he still use the shot put, or did he give up the shot put? Uh, unclear from what we're seeing here. Um, I, I don't know that he, uh, needs the shot put anymore. It seems like he's figured out what he needed to figure out. Um, but yeah, Tyler Matzik was out there pumping 97, uh, during the world series. I think shot put should be illegal. Nobody should be allowed to train with shot puts to play baseball. Okay. All right. All right. There's, uh, there's your first number. And if you didn't think there was going to be a theme, hold on, hold on to go back to that. He walked 16 and a half guys per nine innings in the minor leagues with the Colorado Rockies. Oh my God. Like that's insane. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted you to know who the pitcher was that came out there oh. and destroyed the Astros in the world series. Uh, the Rockies, demo- okay, here you go. 2015, the Rockies demoted him to the minors. He walked 16.5 hitters per nine innings. Okay. So it wasn't his first year. The next year was more of the same. He had no idea where the ball was going. He played catch with his younger brother, Kyle, and hit him in the leg so many times that Kyle started firing (laughs) the ball back at Tyra's body in frustration. Ban the shot put. It's obviously too powerful of a training weapon. Oh, it's clearly far too powerful of of a training weapon. Okay, here we go. Uh, Next next number, Uh, 232. 232. Is that the Astros slugging percentage in the World Series? It is not. It is, however, a batting average. Of a team or a specific player? Uh, It is the batting average of a specific player for his entire career. Oh, entire career. Oh, God. Lord. Are we going to do like Jorge Soler here? He's a 232 career hitter. Close, but not Uh, quite. Is it Rosario or is it Duval? Keep going. Austin Riley? I don't know which one it it's is. It's a one bad B. Pumps. It's a bad B. Ah, uh, Jock Peterson and his damn pearls. Jock Peterson and his pearls have a 232 career batting average. Oh my God. And Jock Peterson has now won back-to-back world yeah. championships. Yeah. I will say, Jock Peterson, not quite as annoying for me personally because he didn't do much in the World Series. Obviously, he was had some big moments to get to the World Series, but he did not have very many. Uh, I don't. Think, I don't think he had an extra base hit in the World Series. Um, so he's not quite as annoying as Jorge Soler or Eddie Rosario or pretty much anybody else that grabbed a bat for the Braves in the World Series. Okay, your next number is one hundred seventy-eight. One hundred and seventy-eight. All right, I got. It happened just in the number. It happened in 2019. Oh, uh, okay. It was it was a number that led the American League. Oh, uh, for for a team or for a player? For a single player. Uh, that player also had a league leading 48 in another category. Is is this OPS plus of like Alex Bregman? In 2019, at the age of 27 for the Kansas City Royals, Jorge Soler led the American League with 48 (laughs) home runs and 178 strikeouts. Man, yeah, okay. He finished 21st in the MVP vote that year. Wow. So he's not a complete bum. 
No, are, are you are you at this point wishing you had been kicked out of the Airbnb? A little bit, but you know, listen, I'll say this, Adam. There's nothing that anybody can say to me, you on this show, or any of my friends, or anybody on Twitter, that's going to make me feel worse than sitting in Minute Maid Park for Game Six while the Astros don't score a run and lose the World Series. So while it hurts a little, it's still it's still an upswing on my last two days. Fair enough. Okay, I have one more number for you, um, and this is a little trickier one. It is Houston specific. Okay. Okay. Fifteen. Fifteen is very specific to one place in Houston. To what? Is this the funeral museum? <laughs> there are a total of fifteen exhibits at the no. National Museum of Funeral History. It takes approximately two to four hours to tour all of the exhibits. If you have any time left today, you need to go. Damn funeral museum. <laughs> There's also a question on the website that says, is the museum kid-friendly slash educational? Yes, the museum is generally recommended for children over the age of seven and enjoy offers many educational opportunities. None of the displays are gruesome or spooky, However, many displays feature coffins or caskets. Is it kid-friendly? Oh, my God. We have hosted visitors as young as age four. Do you think they ask every kid that comes in how old they are so they can update that on their website? We're not intended to be a morbid or creepy place, and there are actually some very bright, colorful, and pleasant displays here as well. Um, the Natural Museum of Funeral History. No, the National Museum. The National. National. It's all natural, natural Tyler. Yeah, sorry yeah, to say. Yeah, um, but yeah, it is the National Museum of Funeral History. I'm currently on the FAQ page, and I, I don't understand how you're choosing to avoid Houston's 15th greatest exhibit, according to TripAdvisor. <sighs> It's located at oh. 415 Barron Springs Drive, if you want to make it down. <laughs> Open yes, from 10 I'm, to 4. I'm looking, I'm looking right now. It is 20 miles away from me. Oh, that quite, you, quite you just traveled across two time zones to go to the World Series. What's 20 miles? Yeah, to go to something I might enjoy. This is something I'm pretty confident I'm not going to enjoy. Ah, uh, ah, uh, children as young as four have had a good time. Maybe, maybe. Ha, have you heard anything yeah. from your Airbnb host yet? Has anyone threatened no. to kick you out of this place? Nobody has threatened to kick me out. Uh, it would cost me $28 to get an Uber to the National Museum of Funeral History. Oh, my God. What a deal. Hang on. I'm looking up tickets right now. Uh, oh, look at, look at this. It's only $10 to get in. Whatever. I'm going to go eat another ribeye again at that weird restaurant I was at yesterday. Sounds like a better deal for me. If you can find 24 other people who want to go with you, groups can get in for $8 a person. <laughs> Coming up next, oh. J.R. Starkis joins the show. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkis. Champagne. Perfume going in, sewage coming out. Southern Blazers Wine and Spirits, welcome to the show, J.R. Starkis. All right, J.R., um, I haven't had a good week, so you're going to help me out? <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. Let's see. What do you got? Yeah, I, had a, I, I will say I had a tequila sunrise yesterday. I don't know what was, in it. What was in a tequila sunrise. 
Well, that's uh, tequila, orange juice, and grenadine, so it was a little bit of sweet. Was it good orange juice, though? It, uh, it was a delicious drink. I couldn't tell you if it was good orange juice or not, but I, I enjoyed the drink very much. Let, let me ask you, if, I, if, if you had, could you tell the difference if somebody squeezed a fresh orange or no, gave you Tropicana? Not. No, no chance. You, what? No, that, no. You, then you've never had, then you've, then you've, you've either, you've never had one or the other then because they're not even, comp- they're not even close to the same thing. It's like telling the difference between grapefruit juice and apple juice. They're not even close. I mean, I don't know the last time I had orange juice, though. So, well, you, it sounds not, like yesterday. <laughs> well, yes, in that drink, yes, is the last time I had orange juice. But I'm sure if you put two in front of me, the both of them, I would say, oh yeah, they taste different. But if I just had one and I had to identify it blindly, no chance. I think I think if you tasted fresh orange juice and what they consider quote unquote fresh orange juice that you buy at the grocery store side by side. You would definitely pick fresh orange juice, um, and then you would never, ever question which one it was ever again. It's that different. Like, you would taste them side by side go, okay, I like this one better. And then the next time somebody put some of the other, quote-unquote, fresh orange juice in front of you, you would immediately know that it is not fresh orange juice, and you would, uh, you would, you would reject it with, with, all, your, with all your might uh, because it isn't, there's nothing like freshly squeezed orange juice. The only discussion after that is if you like pulp or if you do not like pulp man yeah pulp was pretty gross oh bleep off i love pulp yeah i like pulp i like pulp you are correct jr i'm I'm holding on to this 12 year taste 12 year old taste bud thing pulp is one of the most disgusting things ever okay but are you actively advocating for tyler to become a snob about something else (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it, it, it certainly it certainly can't be about astros baseball uh, that's for sure. That was I mean, great. Listen, you know, I, cal- I calm down, Red Sox fan. How was that ALCS? Relax over there, <laughs> Mr. Red Sox fan. White, Brogdon on the drive and kick. Turner again. Three pointer number five. Brogdon drives cross court. Open man near corner and McConnell with a rare three point field goal. Sabonis has it across the timeline. Down the left side, leaves it outside for Turner. Miles. Final score, the Indiana Pacers 111, the New York Knickerbockers 98. You're locked in the press box. I am not going to pretend to have watched any part of that game, but suck it, Adam. (laughs) So unnecessary. Wow, I mean, that, that was a brave statement right there, Tyler. I'm, that's all. That's all. I'm. I'm taking that, some, some happiness out of this week. That's the. I'm. I'm glad that they haven't chopped you out of that apartment yet, have you? No, not yet. So I think the, oh, okay. the clock is ticking, though. So okay, uh, Chris Duarte is going to win Rookie of the Year, right? Sure. I mean, it, yeah. it's shocking to me. Like this is a dude I did not expect to have success <laughs> at the NBA level, and yet here we are. He's good. Also, if you Google Chris Duarte, Google's little like people also ask. The first thing that pops up is Chris Duarte White. I enjoy that very much. Um, now, to wrap up the show, and we'll get we'll get plenty more into this tomorrow. Raiders take on the Giants this weekend. Uh, would you like to give us the uh, fun stat you sent us during the break about the Giants? I will first give you the news about the Giants, and then I'll give you the fun stat uh, about the Giants. According to Adam Schefter, the Giants canceled all in-facility meetings for players this morning, closed the office to non-football staff, meetings being conducted virtually, uh, 
anyone who is uh, not being assessed for COVID can come back to practice this afternoon. Of course, there's a massive COVID outbreak uh, that includes Saquon Barkley for the Giants. Uh, this is a stat that I pulled from Giants Daily, who shares my opinion about the Dave Gettleman era. Um, the Giants under Dave Gettleman are 17 and 39. Not good. Um, their wins have come against some of the best and brightest in the NFL. Nine of the 17 were against backup quarterbacks. <laughs> Five of the 17 wins have come against the Washington football team. Okay. So when it's Washington or a team starter is hurt, the Giants got a chance. Daniel Jones lights up when he sees the Washington football team in a way that really nobody else on earth does. So, yeah, nine of the 17 wins are against backup quarterbacks. The Giants, in 56 games under Dave Gettleman, have beaten eight starting quarterbacks. So as long as Derek Carr makes it through the game healthy, the Raiders are good? Apparently so. When, okay, uh, how... If if Mariota is suddenly named the starter because Derek Carr is out, Raiders still win the game, right? They should. Uh, or is, I mean, or is there a is there a weird? Oh, it's the backup quarterback. It's time for the Giants to shine. Uh, no, and I I mean look, you have a Giants team ravaged by COVID. You have a Raiders team going through the hell associated with Henry Ruggs. Like, if you think you have a handle on what's going on with that game this week and you want to bet on it more power to you i right now i mean i'm already as deep in as i would like because i bet raiders minus three on the opener on sunday night and now i'm just kind of putting that ticket up on a shelf like yeah who knows who knows Ugh, raiders minus three it hasn't changed at all has it because of the COVID outbreak and because of the rug situation yeah it, I it, mean, but it, 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 it has not right like it's still around minus three I will double check uh, where it's sitting right now. I don't believe it got any farther. I mean, three, of course, is the number that's hard to get off either way uh, when you're talking about the NFL. Uh, let's get a closer look here and double check. It might even be off in some places, I would think. Uh, we are looking at mostly juiced threes, mostly three minus 115, indicating that there is a little lean toward the Raiders. Okay. On, on the COVID situation, because I was confused reading a couple different stories yesterday. Saquon Barkley tested positive along with some other people, but then they retested them and Barkley was not positive the second time or was positive the second time. I am not 100% clear myself okay. uh, with the I Giants. I believe scared. he is positive. Uh, the, the last that I read, it yeah. said Saquon Barkley is positive. He, he, yeah. had like to, I read... he had to run wind sprints either way. <laughs> like, because... They did a retest and like they thought Saquon was going to be fine, but he was still put on the COVID list. And obviously today they're dealing with issues of where, oh, wow, they might have an actual outbreak here. Uh, I mean, the note on the actual game itself, the NFL's made it pretty clear if unvaccinated players cause an issue, they have no interest in postponing or rescheduling the game. If the Giants have a severe outbreak and it's among vaccinated players and can't play, be curious to see what the NFL actually does. Uh, I don't know that they would make a team forfeit if it's vaccinated players. Well, just remember, Aaron Rodgers isn't on that team, so the protocols are different. <laughs> Giants are going to get fined so much more than the Packers for this, and it's going to be glorious when it happens. <laughs> 
Aaron Rodgers Lee. 